0: Pastor McMaster, welcome back to talk in the talk with the Great Southern Brain
1: Fart. Nice. That was a good intro.
0: <laughs> Before we get started too much, tell me a little bit more about this uh, this Church of Disaster. I'm I've been fascinated since I read about it.
1: It's nothing to get too excited about. I um, there's no church. I'm not religious. Around 2001, some friends of mine out of Dallas came with the hook. Whole- the idea that I that I was the one that they wanted they wanted me to marry them they wanted me to to you know be the official and I was like get out of town y'all are crazy how do you do that that's crazy uh, <laughs> you know I'm not a priest blah 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 blah. just being not not even thinking of that you know wow that's you know and then I started to think wow that's that's kind of an honor that they. They thought about me, you know, that they want me to be there, like so standing on the altar with them to, you know, sacrifice a goat or whatever. <laughs> and so I uh, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, okay, that's that's pretty sweet of them to to think of me that way as, you know, Uncle Jason or whatever, to you know, to want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I did it. I went to Dallas, and it was, uh, it was at the Hard Rock Cafe, and uh, they had rented the place, and, you know, we had a little shindig, and it was real light. You know, they did shots right there uh, on the pulpit, and, uh, you know, we, like, toasted to the gods of rock, and, you know, I, I made the grandparents nervous, and uh, it was perfect
0: you make me want to do this myself because this sounds awesome. Well,
1: Here's the deal is I guarantee you know, people who are ordained the same way that I've been ordained and it's just on the internet. You fill out a form. It's called uh universal life com or whatever. It's in Modesto. I swear it's just some, it's just some thing that, some biker dudes came up with or something to to get out of their taxes. <laughs> That's badass though. Like yeah, it's fucking awesome. But I don't use it for my taxes. You, I do char- I do charge a little bit because, you know, why not, you know?
0: I mean, but, why not? You're going to pay a fucking priest or something, you know what I mean? Like, hell, man, I'd rather pay Jason McMaster, dude. <laughs>
1: Well, give them, you know, yeah, and you can give them a deal if they're your friends, and I really only like to do it for my friends. So, you know, I've done I've done quite a few of them. So do you get, I like, decked out in the on. collar
0: and everything, or, you know?
1: Nah, fuck that. <laughs> I just wear leather pants and a Slayer shirt.
0: <laughs> as matrimonial um, as it can be, right? You know?
1: It's kind of important to me. Well, I've done some stuffy ones, you know, where... They want me to talk about Jesus and God and all that and that's fine because I'm cool with whatever you whatever your your bag is, but I don't feel comfortable doing that because I don't believe that. So
0: That's actually really cool because that kinda does lead into another topic that um you know, I have well first off I had a great time talking to you um here in Atlanta and I wish we'd had more time to sit and chat, which is why I wanted to do this. But um you've always been a fascinating person to me because, you know, at least until, you know, the internet and your website where you have a pretty extensive bio, really all I knew about you as a kid was that you sang for Watchtower, you know, and this was really a a cool opportunity for me to get to know you more as a person. And one of the things that struck me what you just said is about how, you know, you basically are not a religious person. Neither am I. How long have you been that way? And what was it that led you to be that?
1: I think that there's some spirituality. And if anyone understands, you know, how to treat a human being and with respect and realizes the 10 commandments are just common sense. And if you're still an asshole, you're not religious either. Oh, but, absolutely. You know what I mean? I think that there's a lot of shit bird people out there that Self-righteous kind of thing in that way, and in a religious sense that you know. But they're still cheaters and thieves and everything. They just wear a collar and stand on the pulpit.
0: Oh yeah, I mean I grew and, it's, and yeah. it's always
1: been that. Yeah, it's always been that way, and that's terrible. But you know, if that's the show they want to put on, that you know, and people fall for it, that's great. But I really do believe that if you're a strong person, I feel like you. You've been in love, you've lost love, you've had to talk to a child about death, you know, when their puppy gets run over, you Mm -hmm. know. But if you're an asshole and you can't understand how to do that with someone and go through the emotions with that person, your understanding is deeper than all. It's bigger than anything. And that's the spirituality that I believe in is how you treat people.
0: It's just being humane is what it is, you know, because
1: That's like, exactly right. Yeah. I mean, That's I That's gr- exactly right. I think yeah. that I think that the fellowship of people is really more important than putting on a show. That's why I like rock and roll so much cuz it's this anything goes attitude, but the idea is to emotionally go on this ride through sound and visual and I guess, I guess a church is not any different than a, than a a venue or a club or a party. You know what I mean? No, yeah, I, really I totally know. know what I, you I mean, think, yeah. Yeah. Like, we were just at church. Rocklanta was church, so.
0: Yeah. I mean, I grew yeah. up in, I grew up in going to Catholic school from kindergarten through ninth grade, and... Growing up Catholic and being raised Catholic has probably produced more atheists (laughs) than than anything on the planet. Do you know what I mean? Because you're kind of driven your whole life into this belief that, like you said, that like, oh, there's commandments and there's things. And then when you – When they tell you things like, oh, if you're gay, you're going to burn in hell. And I say, well, you know what? My uncle's gay, and I love him, and he's one of the best guys I know. What about him? And then they say, God makes exceptions. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not buying this. You know? Like and i yeah, feel like
1: yeah that's a perfect excuse.
0: Oh yeah. And i feel like the day the day that i denounced just christianity in general and the fact that there was you know and just said, "You know what? There's no god. I'm not going to worship anything. I'm going to just be the best guy i can be, best person, whatever." That my life got so much better and so less stressful. Yeah, man. People spend most yeah. of their lives trying to absolve themselves with the promise of going to heaven that they're shitty people 95% of the time whereas like people like you and me I like especially you like I feel like you're the kind of guy that's like a good guy 99% of the time without that you know without doing it for any ulterior motive other than just being a good person because that's what you're supposed to do
1: yeah. I mean, not, nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. I, right. I don't deserve, I'm not, I'm no more deserving than anybody else. I think that when I found music, it just became my religion and I didn't really care about anything else. And I know that that sounds kind of shitty. No, no,
0: it but, actually doesn't because kind of to touch on what you said about a rock concert not being much different than going to church or whatever, you know, after you know, seeing you guys you know, just this past weekend for the first time since 94, you know, where I've seen you guys probably five times before that, when I heard Queen of the Nile, I was in tears, you know what I mean? Because that moved me. That was a spiritual moment for me because music does that to me and does, and does it to a lot of people. You know, there's a lot of things that are tied in with music, that, that emotions, memories, whether they be good or bad, you know, and, nostalgia and whatnot and so you know like as corny as it sounds like I said like when you guys launched, started started into Queen of the Nile I just literally teared up because well for one it's a beautiful song and for two that was a song that held a really strong memory for me you know and so I'm like you know what I'd rather go to the Church of Dangerous Toys than have to deal with some other bullshit that's like self-righteous like you have to choose between heaven and hell you know what I mean
1: well, I think that uh, everyone should have the right to, uh, you know, do whatever they want to do as, as long as they're not uh, hurting themselves and they are not thinking of themselves every moment of the day. I mean, you know, giving some back is very important.
0: Oh, absolutely. Even if it's just like you said, even if it's just a conversation or attention to yeah. someone, you know, I've. Yeah, one of the things I've really tried to do over the past few couple of years is to be kind of an advocate for um, mental health, you know, because I, I, I deal with, you know, obsessiveness and things like that. And I take meds and I realize what a stigma there is to it. And so I talk about it on Facebook whenever I have issues or whatever.
1: Oh, That's good
0: now, you know, and people come forward and they say that, you know, and like and I appreciate that. But I tell them, I say, you know, I said I don't do it for recognition or for accolades. It's like I do it because, again, similar to like rock and roll, you know, if it's something you're passionate about and that you want to share and you want other people to be involved, someone's got to be a voice for it. You know, if I want someone to listen to one of my favorite bands that no one's ever heard. If no one's talking about it, God damn it, I gotta talk about it, and so that—that's yeah. kind of wrapped <laughs> up in that.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. I think that. Um, I think that just overall, if you're if you're paying attention, even about half the time, you're probably alright. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, if, if you're if you're awake half the day and you've done a couple of good deeds, it that's a good day. You're you know, alright. Uh,
0: my my dad, even as Catholic as he was, you know, you know, rest in peace. He passed away about you know almost seven years ago. Uh, you remember, I think I told you that story about the uh, uh, him laughing over sport a Woody, but uh, he used to tell me all the time. He said, "If you can go to bed at night and close your eyes and just think to yourself, I was a good guy today. I wasn't perfect, but I was good." He said, "You'll live a good
1: life, man." That's stone carving worthy. That's pretty good.
0: I mean it is that whole
1: yeah. chestnut how do you sleep at night very well actually.
0: Yeah, I mean aside from the fact yeah. that I'm I'm you know, I'm a spaz and I have to take meds because I you know, insomnia and shit though. But you know what? I go to bed every night with a good conscience. You know what I mean? Because I feel well, that's like, good. But again, well, like Don,
1: you you're s- you're you're an intelligent human being. It doesn't matter what, you know, issues you have, yeah. uh, you're you're smart. You know, you went, obviously you went to school, you, 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 you try, you wore the shoes, you drank the punch, you tried on everything that your parents wanted you to try on and you, until you found your own way, uh, that's more, even more sign of intelligence. You, you made your own way, you, you know, something else saved you. I mean, your parents didn't go, Hey, listen to Van Halen, you'll be feel better you know, but you somehow you did and you did. So, you know, that's the thing. That's a real thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause like, unlike most of my peers, you know, even though I was raised Catholic, I also was raised by parents who were very much open-minded and who were very, yeah. but at the same time they were, you know, or at least my dad more so than my mom. Cause of course, you know, dads tend to be like that as that he was very involved in the music that I listened to. And, Oh, good. Mainly because he liked music, but he was always curious, like, oh, I want to hear what this band sounds like, you know? Like, I always thought it was so funny that my dad was like, oh, Ozzy, oh, he sounds great, much better than that shit he did with Black Sabbath, you know what I mean? Or that he would be like, Wasp, that's terrible, you need to take that record back, you know? But, you know what I mean? Like, he was, you know, I was raised in a household where I was kind of allowed to make those you know, like you said, have those findings, well, you know,
1: a lot, a lot of people that don't, a lot of people, uh, our age, who grew up without that offering, you know, without that independence, uh, from our, our guardians and our parents, you know, if someone said you're not bringing that kiss record in the house, that's a bummer for them. It doesn't sound like they were, their parents trusted them enough to be able to, to be a good person and make their own decisions as to what was right, and what was wrong, or to realize that horror movies are not real, because that's all rock and roll is—is is it's this fantasy. Even though the lyrics are usually uh, the topically, the topical, uh, the content is usually about what you know young people are struggling with, and that's why uh, lyricists write songs about you know sex and drugs and you know dealing. It's it, part of it's escape, and part of it is uh, just kind of psychobabble in order to deal with something that maybe they either made a bad decision about one time and it came back at them, and it's an experience they can share. Or, like I said, it's just, it's, it's almost originally a song about nothing, but what you can read between the lines and it's actually something there.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, and so, like, kind of speaking of it seems like you kind of grew up in a household where music was acceptable or or am I incorrect with that? Like were your parents pretty supportive of you pursuing music?
1: Uh, my, my mother, especially, um, you know, my mother and her friends knew I was going to be weird. I was, I was pretty different, uh, from my other brothers. I have three brothers and, um, you know, we were all into rock music, and we were all into skateboarding and surfing and, you know, all kinds of hippie shit. But at the same time, uh, I was always told, you know, you're, you're odd, Jason. It's a little, a little weird, you know. Um, and I was real shy and everything, too. So we but, did. But, yes, in the long run, uh, very, very liberal. My dad was a little bit old-fashioned. That's fine. That's, that's totally fine. And, you know, he didn't understand that that I wanted to dedicate my life to, to uh, you know, the evil rock and roll music. And um, he got over it when I sent him a gold record. Here's my diploma. I know I quit high school, but here's my diploma. (laughs) And he was blown away and didn't understand how that, how that worked until, you know that happened, and uh, you know. So anyway, yeah, it was, it was huge support from my family, my brothers, my parents, and um, you know, I still feel very blessed and very lucky that uh, you know that that I that I got to break out in music and and follow my dreams enough to where um, you know I have some kind of accolade. Uh, I've 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 scarred the earth. You know, there's, you know, I I made some kind of impact and I'm extremely uh, feel blessed and very lucky to be able to say that. And I owe a lot of that to the support of my friends and my family, for sure.
0: You know, because it's funny, there's something that comes along with that, that like what we were just talking about, about, you know, involvement and support with your family and friends and whatnot, is that. I tried to explain to people a lot of times, you know, because a lot of times rock and roll and and heavy metal and whatnot is always, there's always some sort of like rebellion intertwined in with the message or whatever. And I said, you know, the only thing I didn't really have to rebel against was my parents, which is the oddest thing. You know what I mean? It's like. I had to rebel against the kids that bullied me as a kid when I was in grammar school. Yeah, sure, me too. Yeah, I was the fat kid with the bowl cut, you know, reading Hit Parader on the playground, you know. But so, like, I never had to associate it with this kind of, oh, i got to hide this from my parents or whatever. But it's funny how, like, just music and rock and roll, heavy metal, whatever in general – it, it feeds into that rebellious side of you, no matter where it's coming from, that almost kind of instills you with some kind of strength.
1: Yeah. Well, and there's something to say about that. You know, um, it was your thing. You know, I have this thing that I always say that, like, if you love music, and above all, some other kind of music, you know, it doesn't matter that it's rock and roll, but since we both, are, are well neck up into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the um, the songs that speak to you um, are your friends, and you can let's pretend you get shipwrecked and you don't have your record collection with you. Well, let's say you get saved twenty years later, and you finally hear your favorite songs again on the radio, or you you buy the record again, or you you know you're reestablishing your fandom and you know all you still know all the words you 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 imagine what your basement smells like you can smell you can taste you can you know all the words already it's like a baby or a young child toddler memorizing the primary colors you know and then growing up later on if someone says the word red you already know in your brain what that is well that's programming so music is the same way your brain is going to react. You know, after not hearing your favorite song for twenty, thirty years, you hear the song again, and you know all the words, and you can imagine where you were. That some some people know the date, and that they got it for their eighth birthday, or they, you know, who gave it to them, uh, what cake they had that day for the birthday. You know, all of these mm-hmm. things. There's something strong about that. And it's just the way our brains work. It really is just the way our brains work. But it's a beautiful thing that we're lucky to be able to to have that song that talks to us. Now, what I was gonna say is like, you know, the songs that don't speak to you should be easy to ignore.
0: Elaborate on that a little more. Like what do you mean by that?
1: Well, if you're if you're shopping for groceries and songs come over the loudspeaker while you're shopping, mhm you know, it's not always, you know, canned music or music or whatever. Sometimes it's a radio station. Sometimes it's even a rock radio station. Right. I mean, I don't listen to the fucking radio, but I'll tell you, if a cool song comes on while I'm shopping for soup and bread and eggs, uh, you know, I'll go, wow, all right, I hadn't heard that in a while. I love that. You know, but then I don't remember any of the other songs that come on
0: that's so true cuz i was actually eating lunch with a friend of mine at this little um, burger joint in atlanta one year uh, a few years back and we were sitting there and some crew came on and then all of a sudden you know some ozzy came on and then a dangerous toys so yeah. i was like i was like where is this music i literally went to the ca- like the the bartender and i was like i was like who's playing this music? He was like, Oh man, it's me. I'm playing it off my iPod. And I was like, man, the horns up, fist bump, whatever. dude." I, said, I love the fact that you're playing this music at a public establishment at lunchtime. You know what I mean? It was just, but it yeah, was such that, a cool that, vibe. I, like,
1: I didn't want to leave. Yeah. That guy was, that guy was speaking to you and you didn't even know that he was speaking to you. Yeah. It and, wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, hairnet radio and it wasn't serious and it wasn't hair nation and it wasn't it was some guy that just had a bunch of songs on his phone or whatever yeah plugging it into the pa at his at work so he could get through the fucking day
0: yeah matter of fact i'd even told him i said if you keep it going man i'll stick around for another hour or so and he goes I'm off the clock in 20 minutes and he left the thing plugged in and we had beers together afterwards, you know, and I was like, that's a powerful thing, man. That's a powerful thing, you know.
1: Yeah, that's 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 tribal.
0: So what what is the song or album? Because I, I love that you talked about that, like, you know, if a song talks to you or a band talks to you or an album talks to you. What is there one in particular that that you kind of look at and go, no,
1: no, no, that's that's impossible for me to do, because there's like a.m. gold, you know, there's like old one hit wonder songs that I remember that I fell in love with when I was very, very young that would just come on a.m. radio, you know, I mean. Mm-hmm. you know I, I, am radio so for me in the 70s was you know i would hear elton john and alice cooper and queen on the fucking radio and just go ape shit but then there was all this one wonder, wonder stuff you know that I, can, you know, I can't even remember the name of the band that you know you they they were on all the k records or something and it was you know that band hot chocolate or you know uh, the silvers yeah, or whatever, you know, there's a bunch of old, uh, you know, like just one hit wonder things that I, I don't even know right now, but when it comes on, that thing happens in your brain mm-hmm. what, that we just talked about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I like guess like the song so, itself know, literally, is literally,
1: that's right. And it could be, it could be anything that could really just be anything.
0: Young Jason, so I love how we kind of connected on this. Like you said, the, you were agreeing with me. You're like, oh, me too. Like, so were you kind of in that same boat with me, like the kind of dorky rock kit, metal kid who kind of got picked on and shit? And, you know, like
1: yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was a little bit of a loner. I hung out with the nerds and the hippies and the freaks, mm-hmm. and you know, some of them were. A little bit further along mentally and, and, uh, more, uh, you know, yeah, I was different. So I hung out with the different people, you know, uh, some of the jocks were friendly to me, but there was an, there was always an element of, uh, different, uh, you know, groups of, uh, of people and, you know, growing up that, for whatever reason, they they would talk shit to you, they would pick on you, they would bully you, they would right. beat you up for fun, and that's that's the way they were having fun. It's like, well, what kind of fucking life are they gonna have, you know? Um, but I don't really think about them, and I'm not, uh, didn't really scar me much, but it does come up every once in a while. It made, made me wonder why they, that was such a big deal to them that even though I was obsessed with Kiss enough to wear a different Kiss T-shirt to fucking school every day, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that's that's my if that's if that's the problem you have with me, I don't understand what how you here it is how they slept at night.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, Twisted Sister was mine, you know, like. I was literally, yeah. I was literally, I Lisa literally wear a Twisted Sister pin on my uniform, just like in the video. You know, what I mean? and like I just remember thinking, like, so you don't like me because I'm fat and I listen to weird music that, or that's music that's weird to you, like.
1: Yeah, that's why a, are you beating it, me up? Are, for that? You know, yeah. What are your What are your standards? Why are your What is your What is wrong with you that you think that that's uh, a that I'm now a target because that I'm the enemy or something. Yeah. And it, it makes me think about maybe the way they were raised, you know, maybe they were angry at you because, um, they weren't able to listen to rock music in their house or dress however they wanted to dress. They had to dress and be the person their parents wanted them to be. Cause I feel bad for people sometimes, you know, when, you know, they're forced to get straight A's and they're 40. Yeah, you're going to play on the football team, but you're not going to. You And you're going to be the quarterback. And if you're not going to get the quarterback position, I'm going to kick your ass when you get home from school.
0: Exactly. You see, you know,
1: it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah you're going to join the Army, but, you know, just know that I'm expecting you to be uh, the general one day. And if you're not, I'm going to kick your ass.
0: You know, and then there's always that idea of like conformity too, because I think, you know, probably the same as, you know, when you were a kid, at least when I was, you know, when I was younger, you know, I mean, we're not too far off in generations though, but that kids conformed because they wanted to be part of a majority and not a minority. And then you had people like you and I, who were just like, I think, I think the way you guys dress looks stupid. Like I don't want to wear Benetton shirts and hyper color clothing. I want to wear my twisted sister shirt on on the field trip, you know, and my Kmart tennis shoes and my Kmart jeans cuz I don't it, give it, it, a fuck.
1: Yeah. Well, isn't it isn't it kind of interesting that for the most part our generation has is dressing down and not up. I mean, it's funny <laughs> the things you just said hyper color, I mean the guys in Poison and Bon Jovi and Kiss and and that whole like 80s and, and and early 90s sort of turn of the of the coin of rock, of rock rock band clothing i mean you know david lee roth whatever they were very the anybody glam that was hyper color everyone was just bright and chartreuse and hot pink and you know and it was kind of like synonymous with uh, with rock music to to be this loud you know vomited color swatch you know and and now and you know i don't really feel like dangerous toys was was in that game there was always some denim and leather and combat boots and things like that and you know guns and roses also had that too they were not necessarily glammed out all the time right um they were they were loud enough in the way that they dressed but you know aerosmith used to do that they were kind of loud in the way they dressed but it wasn't the it wasn't what i'm talking about with poison and bon jovi and kiss when kiss took the makeup off they were paul stanley was wearing some atrocious shit oh my god and i just saw oh 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 he's doing (laughs) he's doing kiss is trying to follow a trend that that poison bon jovi have started and it was really weird that you know the you know the the zoo turning into the zookeeper. You know it's pretty weird, and um, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I think that dumbing down the, the fact that what I was getting at the, the fact that we're you know it's just we're just PIBs now we're people in black, and that's fine. But isn't it funny how we dumb down our 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 color fashion, and and the whole world thing is like looks at us and thinks that we're different oh you're a headbanger oh you 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 wear all black all the time you must be some kind of musician or in the business or you you're yeah there's what's your deal because you're black all the time i don't understand it you know i don't know if um if there's some kind of uh problem that we have as a as a genre of 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 rock fan that just wears black all the time Mm. more but I mean everybody everybody I know who's who's into the things that I'm into they wear black all the time my 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 main thing is just makes it easier to do laundry.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it's so funny because I look I look back at pictures of myself from when I was in high school. Yeah, I I sent you that picture of me wearing the dangerous toy shirt when I was in high school and then me like obviously my fashion sense has not changed from the time I was, you know, fifteen to now, you know? Because again, yeah. It's easy, it's me, it's natural. I mean, because I remember, like, I mean, I was into bands like Poison and, you know, Enoughs sure. Enough and stuff like that. But what I remember the issue being was, I, I would look at him, I'd go, "But y'all are like really pretty, man. Like I'm, I'm kind of goofy looking, and I have scraggly hair, and I'm not cool." And then all of a sudden, here comes. Dangerous toys, and here comes Junkyard and Circus of Power. You know what I mean? I'm going. Okay, now I can do that. You know what I mean? No offense, but you know what I mean. Like
1: somewhat, somewhat regular dudes. You know, if you're, I'm kind of quoting Lemmy here. Lemmy said something like, you know, you know, if you can look good, if you can pull off the 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 lipstick and the and the his hair and the the feather boa. and look really good doing it and fucking own that shit where people like take notice and, and don't think that it's that weird. Cause it, 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 it becomes you mm-hmm. fucking good luck. I just and Lemmy was like, I can't do that. I would look ridiculous doing that. I can't, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I would be uncomfortable in my own skin doing that, but you know, and he was particular to pussycat and poison and, in the bands that are actually doing that, that actually look pretty good doing it. And oh, yeah. he was very, he was very liberal to that. He was very open-minded to that. He never really, this hyper-intelligent, weird book nerd turned scraggly Jack Daniels swigging, chain-smoking motor man, you know? And and when you think about it, he's, he was always that. And to hear him say, hey, man, whatever, do whatever, be whatever you want to be, man. I'm me, and you need to go be you. Don't look at me and just try to be me, you know? Right. So it was just, it was awesome to hear that, hear him just be as liberal and open-minded as anybody probably should be when you're talking about rock and roll you know if you're if you're specific to one thing and then you go out and talk shit about the people that are not like you that's a sign of uh, ignorance and you just haven't really grown up yet and i yeah. used to be there and i used to be that that guy
0: well you know i used to too because when i was just going to say that cuz looking back on when i was when i would especially you know 10th 11th and 12th grade oh my god i feel so oppressed by the the jocks and whatever, like, you know, but whenever they would walk by us, we'd go fucking meatheads. You know what I mean? So it's like we were doing the same shit, you know? So it's like at at some point, you know, we're as guilty as they are for pinning them for who they are, where we're like, how dare you pin us for being ourselves? You know what I mean? Like it was just,
1: yeah, that's adolescence, man. You're, you're freaking out because your hormones are doing things to you and you don't know what's cool yet. You know, you think it's okay to wear your Batman pajamas to school. You know, you don't know yet. And so, you know, you have to figure that out, you know, and as soon as you start figuring it out and man, I work with kids because, um, you know, I, I'm a teacher and they as soon you know, they They, they wear board shorts and sandals and they don't give a shit and they play video games and, Da, da 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 but then then you know, you're you're their teacher. Fucking five, seven, eight, nine years later, and you've watched them become a young adult, and you can pinpoint the day they start worrying about their hair and their clothes.
0: That was a great segue into that because that was something else. I went is about you being a teacher. Like, how did that come about, and what what made what what made that interesting to you as far as like pursuing
1: that? Well. Well, well, that's easy. That, I'll kind of answer it backwards. I needed a fucking job. You know, <laughs> I, I always needed a job. I mean, I was at the time, I mean, it was 2005 when uh, my boss called me to hire me as a vocal coach for the School of Rock. Mm-hmm. And I'd never taught before. So there was that. I was going, what the fuck? Oh, man, I can't do that. How do you do that? And he was like, don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. I had to figure it out. You'll figure it out. I was like, wow, that you know, he believed in me, knew I could do it, you know, just cause of the kind of person I was. So you'll, you'll figure it out, man. And uh, here I am 14 years later. But anyway, he called me and, and uh, hired me to do that. And I was, uh, I was working, I think I was working in a guitar store and I was working at a record store. So at one point I had three jobs Wow. until I had so many students I could I had to quit the others which
0: has got to be kind of cool because not only being a teacher and spreading music which is obviously something you're passionate about it also must keep your ear to the ground as far as the current changes in the music in the actually
1: music. actually it does it, it it does just a little bit and the um, it's a it's performance based program I mean we, we don't teach kids to put on shows. We put on shows to teach kids. Exactly. You know, we're, we're, we're saving rock and roll one kid at a time. These are actually the, the schools kind of, kind of like selling, you know, mantra. And, you know, you have a weekly lesson, but you also have a weekly rehearsal and you're expected to, Uh, You know, loosely master your guitar parts, your bass part, your drum parts, your vocal parts, memorize them, make a map, etc. Just like it is when you're expected to be able to perform, uh, you know, on stage and have all that stuff. You need to know all that shit for rehearsal you need to turn in your homework. When you go to regular school, it's the same fucking thing. Right. So as soon as you realize that that's how life works is like the garbage didn't take itself out. The song doesn't sing itself, you know? Right. Someone wrote that song. Someone had to learn that song. Someone had to go sing that song for you to understand what the hell is going on. So it's a huge, it's a huge deal to be able to get give some back. Fourteen years, love it.
0: That's amazing. Well, t- you know, because something I, f- I wanted to ask you to backtrack just a little bit when you were talking, you know, when we were talking about kind of growing out of our phases of dorkdom, which we kind of still live in. Actually, we never really grew out of it. We just aged and kept it. You know, <laughs>
1: like yeah.
0: But when Dangerous Toys hit and like i said most people my age you know when dangerous toys hit it was you know tease and please and the first time i saw that video i was i looked at the, i looked at you guys and i was like jesus fucking christ man like i can dress like that and play music when you guys started to kind of pick up momentum and stuff was there was there ever an element where and again this is you know a, 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 a be honest if you want or whatever but you know was there ever an element where your ego inflated a little bit or whatever, or, or did, where you, did you always just kind of feel like that same kid who was just getting to live the dream that he always wanted to?
1: Well, yeah, that's, that's what I was saying earlier. I think I'm blessed and lucky mm-hmm. to have been supportive enough to, you know, and be into it enough and, and get in the garage and make noise with my friends enough to, turn that into a regular thing so much so that, um, you know, I, bu- I was building up a name and meeting new people and starting new projects. And as soon as you get some kind of, even if it's a small fan base, the the lip service, you know, the people just talking about it is how you get the next gig and the next gig and the next gig. And next thing you know, mm-hmm. you're in a band for a very short time that, that ends up blowing up and that would have been dangerous to late.
0: Well, that's what I was going to ask you is that of all the bands that you had done in previous projects, like I said, even like with Watchtower and whatnot, what was it about Dangerous Toys that do you feel like, uh, like when, when you, when you, when you did Dangerous Toys, was that something right away that you thought, okay, this is going to be the band or was it kind of a surprise to you?
1: It was a surprise because even in the band that I was in, almost a, almost a full decade, uh, right up to the point where I had to quit that band, and that band would have been Watchtower. Right, uh, You know, we had a record out. We had been writing and getting ready to make another record, and I started moonlighting with Dangerous Toys on the side. And Six months later, Columbia wanted to sign Dangerous Toys. So I'm in this band. You know, I've cut my teeth as a singer. I learned all this shit about being a real musician and how songs are written in this band, Watchtower, and I really, really um, had, you know, come up through the underground and was well-respected by all of these, but really by the new style of sort of thrash metal, Mm -hmm. you know, like this new whole new thing that we had been doing since high school, uh, started in 82, and then all of a sudden, I'm in this project that's I don't really care much about. Just doing covers, and sure, we wrote a few cock rock songs and whatever. And next thing you know, you know, somebody from L. A. is like going, "Yeah, you guys are great. I want to sign you and put you on MTV and put you on the road and get you in the studio." And blah blah blah. I'm like, "What? What?" So I spend I spend my whole life dedicated to this one thing, and then and then I just this total accident. I start playing with these other dudes and six months later, you want to give me a bag of money. It's fucking weird. So, uh, Life it, is strange. Bro.
0: It totally is. And it's, you know, it's very like serendipitous in that way too. And how things like that work, you know, because like you guys went from being signed to hitting the road. I mean, you guys toured hardcore for years. Yeah. What was, what was in your opinion, what was your f- favorite tour that you did and if you don't mind saying like what was your least favorite
1: i don't really have a least favorite uh you know any any tour in coming home from any tour i mean it's nice maybe if you're exhausted to come home but you know after you're home for a few days you miss it you like don't even know how to act it's like getting back on land after being you know on a boat or on a spaceship i would imagine right right you beca- you're you're used to living out of a suitcase, you
0: know. Oh yeah, yeah. I can only imagine. Um, but as far as like a highlight tour for you, I mean, I would imagine Operation Rock and Roll would have been up there for you. Bingo. Being with Alice Cooper. <laughs> I mean, Alice yeah, Cooper, bingo. Motorhead, Priest. You know, I mean, like that had to be that had to be the one if I had to guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, bingo. Yeah.
0: I mean, what a! I I mean, you know, we, you know we talked about that the last time. That was a, that was such an amazing tour. We don't want to dwell too much on that, but with you being yeah. such a huge Cooper fan, I've always wanted to ask you, what's your favorite Coop album?
1: Oh, man, that's hard one. Maybe Killer. Uh, Love It to Death. Uh, God, it's really hard. Welcome to my Nightmare. Somewhere in there there's probably I could put together a greatest hits record that I probably could put on repeat and listen to that for six months.
0: Oh yeah, mine was killer, by the way. That's why I love that you named that first because that was the yeah, that's, yeah. A good,
1: that's a good one, man.
0: Yeah, I even found myself delving into his earlier the the you know their earlier Zappa shit. You know, like the Pretties for You and stuff. That was some weird shit. But for some reason, as I got older, it got cooler. You know.
1: Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's weird on purpose. It's <laughs> great. You know, they were, they were changing the way people thought about rock and roll. I mean, the Beatles were kind of like, you know, borrowing from old rock and roll. And I think Alice is way into that. He's into Elton John and Beatles and stuff like that. But I think that when he was breaking out and doing this really weird stage show, I think that he wanted his music to be bizarre as well. And then he figured out a way to sort of straddle the line like everybody else.
0: Oh, yeah. My wife took me to see Alice Cooper, actually, for my birthday about six years ago. And I, and, but, and I I haven't missed an Alice Cooper tour since Trash. That was the first time I ever saw him. So I haven't missed a tour since. But she went with me one time to see him. And the first thing she said after the show was, I'm surprised how many of those songs I knew. <laughs> I was oh, like, "Yeah," I was like, yeah, because... You know, his songs are classic. They're classic rock. Like, if you've ever listened to classic rock radio, you've heard, you know, No More Mr. Nice Guy, Billion Dollar Baby, School's Out, you know, whatever. Yeah. And she and she yeah. was impressed. She said, I knew, like, ha- more than half the show, <laughs> You know, which I, lo- which I loved, oh, yeah. oh, you yeah. know, because she had a blast, oh, too. Yeah. She was like, he was amazing, you know? And I was like, that oh, was yeah. always the beauty behind Alice was that, you know, he had this thing. That was very kind of that kind of shock opera kind of thing, but at the same time, oh, yeah. like you said, he found he found that line that he could straddle and say, "I'm gonna make some good music too, you know, to not oh, yeah. just be freaky music, you know, so speaking of uh, we mentioned Rockland a little earlier. How, did you have a good time, man cause it was great seeing you guys again after so long,
1: yeah, uh, that was a, that was a good time. It was important to us. We. We also, you know, kind of didn't know how it was going to sort of, uh, you know, our new, the new song we played, we didn't know how it was going to go over. Not that that matters or we were that concerned about it, but, and we weren't even nervous or anything about playing new material,
0: Right.
1: you know, three and a half minutes, it's over with, that's it's interesting when you think about everything I just said and then go, oh, three and a half minutes and it's over. It's uh, it's important to, um, to I think, uh, step outside the, the box a little bit and think about what you're doing there and um, find a reason to not look at it as work and think of it as um, a celebration of something that, you know, we've created and were a part of I call it the class of 89. There were a lot of bands that are in the same sort of like, you know, uh, bracket as uh, Dangerous Toys. You know, sure, they sold a few records. They have a couple of gold records, but they didn't quite sustain the the massive hit like a Bon Jovi or whatever. Class of 89, there was a lot of other you could also call it the coattail of Guns and Roses, you know?
0: Oh, right, yeah, yeah, obviously. It, you know, like yeah. Dangerous
1: Toys and Junkyard and Circus of Power, and there, there's a hundred of them. Bang Tango, um, you know, I think Faster Pussycat did pretty well. Um, I think L.A. Guns did pretty well.
0: See, I always thought Faster Pussycat uh, could have done just as well looking like you guys because their songs kind of straddled that that thing, you know, but they were able to pull the image. They had the kind of Hanoi rocks thing
1: going on, you know? Yeah. But, you know, they were just in, in as far as like dollars, you know, and, and, and awards and, um, tours and money and Rolling Stone covers, you know what I mean? Oh, right. Um, I think, I think that those two, two bands were probably just, just, uh, you know, maybe even quite a bit bigger, than what we were able to pull off and sustain, and oh, the lineup changes. You know, oh my God, that's a that's the cool thing about the toys. It's it's the same band that made the first record.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Which I love that. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's like yeah. full circle. You know, and yeah. to kind of go back to what you were talking about, the song it was called "Hold Hold Your Horses." You you know, I was telling Mike after the show, I said, if I hadn't known dangerous toys and knowing that that was a new song it's it sounded seamless in there which got me excited and it got me to hoping that
1: wow yeah that's the good that's the good thing is it sounds exactly like it it could have been on the pissed album exactly yeah so
0: you actually made a comment and during a show one time that i thought was kind of funny Uh, it wasn't rock lana but it was a show i had picked up online is something you guys were doing I think in Texas or something and you said something about that this is a song off the first album that everyone cheered and you were like Cause it's the only good one we made like do you do you believe that or or is that like always just kind of, of that kind not. of a joke with you because that's what everybody kind of thinks well that's, you know? it,
1: right that's I was I was uh I was throwing a rock at the people that think that's the only album that we have out
0: oh yeah you know, cause I always think, I always mm-hmm. think to myself, Hellacious Acres was such an overlooked record, you know, like I was just like, there was a so lot of many- people
1: feel that way. That that's not, in my opinion, that's not our most shining moment at all. Um, but I think that it's part of the, uh, <clears throat> the journey as a band, you know, we were, we we're out on tour with the Cult, and, you know, basically the phone rings and, management and they're going yeah we need to pull you off the road you guys need to go home and write songs we're like dude are you looking at the numbers we're still charting and we're selling records <laughs> and we're on tour with the cult and it's going great and yada 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 you know and they said nope the window is closing for your timing that you need to you know you guys need to contract obligation here you know you guys gotta go make another record so i feel like we weren't ready to go make a record we about half the songs on hellacious acres i think are good songs
0: that's interesting because you know i like i said i really like that album a good bit um and i'm curious to hear from you which ones you think aren't are the ones that you don't think are like up to par
1: well i'll tell you the ones that that we should be easy. The ones that, you know, are still in the set sometimes are the, are the good ones. Um, but you know, there's some stragglers that we don't do. because just, we don't really do ballads live. We just want to kind of, you know, keep people moving as much as they can. So they're, they're moved. Um, but we, um, you know, line them up sugar, leather in the nail, um, these are not in any order, uh, right. giving it a lip, uh, best of friends, um, angel in you, but, it, but it used to be, it's rare, but it used to be in the set all the time, but gunfighter. So it's gunfighter lip, line them up sugar, best of friends. And what else did I? Angel in angel you. And you. That's that, that, that's half the record. That's six songs.
0: Angel and you, I thought so, was the coolest fucking song because of how it starts out with that. Yeah, you know, it's that slow. It, to me, that was like the. To me, that was almost like your Bond Scott moment. You know what I mean? Where it went from like that. Yeah. That kind of slow groove into that fucking bombastic, like fast closing. You know, I I, I just love yeah. that. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, the um the label tried to turn that into like a like this epic guitar solo jam uh, on the record and live we don't do that trade-off guitar solo thing between Danny and Scott it's uh we we augment that we go right to the we do the regular the first section of the solo and then we go into the breakdown and no one even notices that or even asks us about it but when you listen to the version on the record there it's like a seven minute song and there's this fucking guitar battle going on (laughs) that's kind of like you know something put out by leonard skinner or something which was almost kind of the antithesis
0: of what you guys were doing because you know it was like you guys kind of had this almost a punk mentality at times to your songs because i mean oh yeah at the longest some of them were like four minutes i mean you're talking yeah three minute 12 second songs for the most part you know i mean with a four song, yeah, you know, four and a half minutes being a long song, and I, and as much as I enjoy it, like I always wanted to hear that one live, you know, because I was right. like, I'd love to hear that one done, you know.
1: But um, well, we, you know, we really only write three kinds of songs anyway, and most of them are the same tempo. So <laughs> it's either a straight, it's either a straight headbanger or it's, uh, you know, that's never very fast. And then, and then it's, and then there's a shuffle, you know, sporting a woody, giving a lip, whatever.
0: Right. So was feel feel like making love. Was that like a record company push?
1: That's an easy one to answer. We were messing around with that in in rehearsal one day and we were in pre production and we were just fucking around with that. And, uh, and the, uh, the producer role was like, was like, "Ah, we're putting that on the record. That sounds great. I'm like, what? we're just fucking around, dude. Nope, you fucked up. We're putting that on the record. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, we just kind of looked around and, you know, there wasn't really any, we didn't really have a bad attitude about it. We didn't, you know, and people fucking love that version. They really, really like it. And I don't understand to this day how it really made the record other than we fucked up by playing it in a rehearsal. and <laughs> The producer said, yeah, you don't need to record that.
0: you're like, God, why weren't, why weren't we doing like, you know, TNT or something,
1: (laughs) or like whatever.
0: Well, no, you know,
1: I think that that would have been a little bit typical, a lot of bands that cover ACDC on their record.
0: I think so too, you know, because I think what made that, nothing wrong um, with that, was that it sounded like you guys, do you know what I mean? Like, it didn't sound like, yeah, oh my God, they're stepping so far out of the bounds that, you know, it's that. No,
1: we made it work. We, we actually, we actually did a, we actually made it higher. We jacked it up a little bit. It's actually like a whole step higher. So when it gets up into the chorus, and sh- mm. uh, we are actually uh, you know, in my range a little bit more. You know.
0: So one of the other things, because there's only just a couple more things I want to uh, talk to you about. And by the way, thanks again for doing this, dude. I appreciate you talking, man. <laughs> this yeah, is fun, yeah, yeah. man. This is so much fun for me. Yeah, but anyway, I guess uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you too is that auditioning for being asked to audition for not only Pantera, but for Skid Row. I'm sure a lot of people are trying to figure out like, how, how would that have sounded? Like Were those, was those, were those pretty hard no's for you at the, like when, when you were approached for those or was it kind of like, man, I'm tempted to, I'm tempted to do this.
1: Well, some sometimes I kind of regret that and that, uh, some, you know, that I didn't even like try, you know, that I didn't even accept the offer to audition. Cause that's all it was. I never let it go any further than that. Right. And, um, you know, I was, I was committed to where I was, uh, um, at the time. And, you know, the you know, the first time was, uh, when was that? Shit, it was a long time ago, man.
0: Now was that was that pre-Anselmo that you were at? Yeah, I'm guessing it was. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. They hadn't even gotten into their Anselmo yet. I yeah. mean, the 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 things that happened uh, at that point to rock music, um, you know, when you kind of put a timeline on it, I mean, that's that's fucking crazy, you know. The Skid Row thing, I know, was like, um, 93, 94. Okay. Yeah, we we were trying to, we had just made a new record, I think. We had just made Pissed. Yeah, and, uh, and I think that that's when that was. And it's hard for me to, the, the Pantera thing, 86, 87, 87, I had 86, 87, I had just, uh, replaced a guitar player in Watchtower uh-huh. and was about to get busy with that. Um, so I thought, but that was my, that was, those, those were my guns I was sticking to. And, you know, first, uh, Mr. Abbott is what I call him. Uh, Vinny and Daryl's dad called me
0: uh-huh.
1: and I, I uh, declined and uh-huh. I got a, got a call two weeks later from Vinny. And again, I had to respectfully decline. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then it's funny because like a year and a half later or something, Mm -hmm. Pantera was coming through and they were doing clubs and they had just opened for skid row. Oh yeah. That's that's ironic. Yeah. 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 And, um, uh, well, is that when that was ninety
0: two? That would have been like nah, 91, it was, 91,
1: 92, it was like a, I think. Cause no, dude, it was like eighty nine. Well, it they like might have opened or up for first,
0: well, cause I know they did. I know Skid Row did their first like arena tour and uh, like as headliners for slave to the grind. And that was like 91, 92. No,
1: that's, that's, this is, this is before that. This oh, is before okay. that. But anyway, Pantera was doing, with them, Pantera was doing clubs yeah. and they were, they were doing clubs and they were opening for people. You oh, know? that
0: makes, okay. And yeah. they
1: had done, yeah, they had a bunch of, a bunch of stuff uh, with a bunch of different people. But I remember they did some shows with Panteros it was the Cowboys from hell. Anyway, they came to town and I, I ran into Vinny and I went. I went backstage and met and met Phil for the first time. Uh-huh. And uh, he was a Watchtower fan, so you know he he and his buddies in New Orleans they knew all about Watchtower and early thrash metal and stuff like that. So,
0: do you look back on it and kind of think like, man? I mean, like that the whole the whole direction or scope of Pantera may have changed if you had been if you had taken that gig, like it very well could have just or do you think they were kind of set in their ways as far as like where they were going? I I don't
1: I don't know. I mean, I I think that uh, I think that the um the universe took care of itself. I think mm-hmm. that the the things that that happened to Pantera as far as Phil joining the band were supposed to happen. I think that they took over the world and created a new style of like fucking super heavy power metal. And I think that, uh, they once again were a band that were able to figure out how to straddle the line because, you know, basically Pantera was doing what dangerous toys was during the time that dangerous toys should have been doing that. Right. But for whatever reason, they weren't even a band. I mean, Dangerous Toys consisted of a different lineup and they were doing covers and they had some originals, but mm-hmm. they were not looking to get signed. They were just a working band, you know, and Pantera was the same thing. They just, they, they just had a, had a, they ended up getting a, um, some kind of record deal. Their dad had a studio. They had like three or four records out before they even got Philip in the band. Right.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, you know,
1: I mean, I knew about Pantera, but I was like, I was in a thrash metal band, and they were this glam band out of Dallas area, you know, was like, man, <laughs> eh, you know, that's cool. And the next thing you know, I'm not in a thrash band anymore. Pantera turns into a thrash band, and I'm in a fucking glam rock band, so... <laughs> See what I mean is the whole thing is very strange yeah. You know?
0: Again, another oddly like serendipitous thing though, because you know, things right. things went it's like it's almost like you said, the universe kinda took care of it, you know. But then
1: Yeah, there's not really any way to get to to you can't change what that sounds or feels like. Um it's it's just terrible that that those guys are gone now. <sighs> Those Abbott brothers—it's so sad. Way
0: too young. I mean, it's just unbelievable. He, well, I
1: don't—I don't, I don't, I still don't understand how how Vinny died. I mean, he fucking went in his sleep. I just don't understand. You know, his heart gave out while he's sleeping. What a joke. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a peaceful. I guess that's a peaceful way to go. But well, I don't. I don't. <clears throat> you you forget how fragile it all is. I mean, the human body is an amazing machine. And it's tough as a motherfucker, but you don't realize how easy it can just fucking happen to you. It's just boom. Yeah. Gone.
0: And he was—he was—he was a pretty hard liver. I mean, I mean, you know, he definitely lived for the moment and was definitely a you know a hard you know a partier and you know he had his fun you know. But like you said, well, yeah, I mean the
1: the things that obviously the things that should have killed you. Uh, didn't and uh, I'll tell you this right now, Keith Richards still living.
0: Someone just posted on Facebook today a picture of Keith Richards like hanging off of a balcony drinking a beer in the morning, and they were just like, "Oh yeah," they were like, "He is still alive and he passed his physical for the tour." Mick Jagger <laughs> is in like top shape. He failed his physical. <laughs> I was
1: like, that's "Yeah, Mick is. Crazy. That's a bummer about Mick." Yeah, I know. He needs a he. He needs an operation or something. Well,
0: dude, I guess to close out, one of the things is that you know Rockland was a blast. Getting to see you guys after yeah for so long after '94 was amazing. I got my Dangerous Toys shirt again, and I'm happy guy. But I got a new song, so are we gonna hear some more toys? Are we gonna maybe see? a new life out of this, or is this just kind of going to kind of be well, like it's been for the past?
1: Well, here's, here's the good with the bad. The good is, you know, somewhat inevitable that even if we, you know, can't muster up an album's worth of material, mm-hmm. we will be recording the new material that we think is worthy and putting it out on at least iTunes or some kind of, cool special vinyl release or something right so you know uh, i'm i i really like the song hold your horses i think it was it came together really well i think we got a decent response out of it i i feel like it it should already be recorded and on itunes and and on people's playlist somehow some way in order to uh, um, garner some more attention so when we do play it live, they're going oh cool, they played hor you know, people know it already instead of trying to digest it when they know they're about to hear Tease and Pleasing right after it and they got a hard-on for that, so
0: I've already been looking for like know. bootleg versions of it, you know, on YouTube or whatever. Oh, <laughs> you know?
1: oh I saw it today. I saw it today on YouTube. <laughs> oh,
0: okay, so it did make it. Okay, great, great. So see, oh, yeah. there you go. You if, know,
1: if you type in, if you type in "hold your horses, dangerous toys," it comes up right away. That's
0: that's what you're talking about, man. Like, yeah, and it's not
1: know. it's not too bad, you know.
0: No, man, I thought it was great though. But what about touring? It's or is Dangerous Toys just kind of like not not a touring machine anymore?
1: Um, well, we used to be, but we can't do it anymore because, uh, and fans don't want to hear this shit. I get it. You know, they want to go, they want to hear, fuck yeah, man, we're going to take over the world, world tour, bro. Fuck yeah. You know, but we're not 19 anymore and we, uh, make, make better money to feed our, our faces and our families with. Um, by not going on the road because right. it's so sketchy because of the internet uh, sort of killing the industry by way of um people are you know there's always someone younger than you and prettier than you that can play for free and uh people yeah. can just watch it on youtube so they don't buy concert tickets anymore mm-hmm.
0: that's a bummer man but gosh man i'm glad i had the opportunity to see you guys when i did but I mean, if I want to see Dangerous Toys again, like how many shows do you guys do a year? I guess I'll just have to make my trek out there.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, unless we, the phone rings for somebody from somebody out near you, because we do flying dates. You know, oh, We don't just man. play Texas. I mean, we're we're in Colorado in you know a few weeks.
0: Oh, that's great. That's all. Well, I, yeah. I'd love I'd love to see you guys come back, especially again. Like I said. With with some new material on the on, you know, in the books. You know, you again to kind of close out with you and me talking about being dork's, you know, there's there's always gonna be dork fans like me who are gonna say, as much as I love the new stuff, I want I mean, as much as I love the classics, I do wanna hear new stuff. I wanna hear what Dangerous Toys is doing in 2019. Like, I wanna hear something fresh because I know I'm gonna get teasing pleasing, and I know I'm gonna get scared, and I know I'm gonna get you know, outlaw, whatever yeah. you know, but I would yeah. love nothing more than to hear something new because to me that's that's that excites me as a fan.
1: Well, you know, the plan is to keep writing. We'll see what happens, but you know, none of we don't live next door to each other anymore. We're it's a bit of a, an ordeal to try to get together, but uh, you know, we're we're making it happen. Well, we don't have one song. We we have more than one song, so don't worry about that.
0: Well, I can't wait to hear him, man, and I think it's going to be great to hear some new some new uh, DT stuff, man, without a doubt. So,
1: but, Well, thanks. Um, That's uh, something to look forward to for us as well.
0: Well, Jason, thank you so much for doing this again. Like I said, I know we just did it, but this was really a lot of fun. I really just wanted to kind of do this as a one-on-one with you to kind of get to know you. It's one of the things I, again, it's the dork in me. You know what I mean? That wants right. to know about right. some of the people I admire the most, and I, I appreciate you being open with me.
1: Sure, no problem, dude.
0: Thanks a lot, Jason. I appreciate your time, man, and I hope you have a All great right, dude. day. All right,
1: Have a, have a, yeah, you as well. Talk soon, okay?
0: All right, man. Talk to you later.
1: Okay. Bye, bye.